0: whatever your goals may be. Listening to She Said, She Said podcast is a smart, efficient investment you can make in you. I'm really glad you're here and I'm excited we're on this journey together. Hey friend, welcome to She Said, She Said podcast episode 188. I am really excited to have you here and to bring you today's conversation. We all get so many mixed messages about the topic of self-care. And for many of us, even doing the minimum self-care can actually leave us feeling guilty. I often find the topic seems to be one of extremes. Taken too far, self-care can legitimately become selfish. But when we don't pause and take the time to engage in an adequate amount of self-care, it means we're not doing what we need to do to refuel in order to be the women and the people that we hope to be and to have the impact that we hope we can have. That is why I think today's conversation will really resonate with you. My guest is Carrie Compacus. Carrie is a best selling award winning author and blogger, and one of only two two time guests here at She Said, She Said podcast. Carrie joins us today to talk about her latest book, her fourth, and my personal favorite of hers so far. The book is called More Than a Mom How Prioritizing Your Wellness Helps You and Your Family Thrive. Now, even if you're not in the throes and joys of motherhood, or maybe even if motherhood is not part of your journey, I still think you're going to find much to love and appreciate about Carrie's message. It's an important one, and it's not just for moms. Investing in ourselves is part of building and sustaining influence. That's because it's an essential part of how we become the people that we want to become. That takes effort and work and self-reflection. My personal mantra is, you get what you give. And that applies not just to others, but to ourselves as well. When we starve ourselves for the recharge and fuel we need, we're less able to do all of the amazing things that we hope and dream about accomplishing. One of the dimensions that I especially love in this conversation today with Carrie relates to the example that we set for others. For those of us who are moms or caregivers, this especially relates to the example that we set for our kids. They learn how to take care of themselves and what self-care means from us. When we do a crappy job of that, they learn that too. Honestly, I hadn't really thought of it quite the way that Carrie puts it in our conversation, but it resonated so deeply with me. When I'm busy and I'm burning the candle at both ends and I'm stressed, I often get short and snippy with my sweet people, and it doesn't serve them or me well at all, and it certainly doesn't set a good example. But of course, on the flip side, when I'm kinder to myself and I'm taking those regular intervals to pause and reflect and to really think about the example that I'm setting, good, bad, or otherwise, it can make a big, big difference for everyone involved. I'm sure that you can relate to this as well. Another dimension in this conversation that I'll quickly highlight before we jump in is how building and growing our networks and tapping into them regularly is also a form of self-care. Now, this was a topic in my conversation with Molly Feening last week in episode 187. And I think Carrie's perspective today really builds on that dimension. We also talk a bit about how Carrie took her content and turned it into a career and a business. You can find more about her journey in our earlier conversation back in episode 116. Now, one more thing, there is a bit of fangirling right up front in this episode, so I'll apologize to you for that. But I really do mean it when I say that Carrie has a way of articulating the challenges of modern motherhood that is grounded Practical and spiritual. It's not over the top, but rather it's really, really entirely relatable. Most of all, friend, wherever you are in your journey, I hope you find as much value from this conversation as I did. And I hope that you'll make the time to read Carrie's new book entitled More Than a Mom. It is really terrific. And I've included a link in the show notes for this episode where you can purchase the book. For now, Here is my conversation with the always amazing Carrie Kampakis. Carrie Kampakis, welcome back to She Said, She Said. Oh, thanks for having me back. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm so delighted to have you. You and I met for the first time back in 2020, right in the middle of COVID. We were introduced by a wonderful mutual friend of ours my life has been richer as a result of that. And I know your legions of fans feel the same way.
1: Oh, well, I feel the same way about your work. I just, I love reading what you're doing and just seeing your videos. It's just, you're so uplifting. Thank you. The podcast too, everything, and even the people you have on. I just, I love
0: your work. Thank you very much. Well, present company included, and I am so happy to have you back. So this week we're here to talk about a new book that you have coming out. It will be released on April 5th. And I'm very excited about this book. Um, I'm always excited about your books, but this one in particular, because it aligns so beautifully with a topic that we've been talking about here on She Said, She Said podcast, which is this concept of investing in ourselves. So Carrie, tell us about More Than a Mom. That's the title of the new book. Why this book?
1: That is a great question, and you know, I think that it's not only just the circumstances we're dealing with in our world today, but it's probably it has a lot to do with the, state, the stage of parenting that I'm in. You know, mm-hmm. My oldest daughter's a freshman in college, so I've been doing this about 20 years. And you know, I think the big thing is just you get to be this age. I'm almost 50. I'm celebrating my 50th birthday this summer.
0: Oh, uh, happy birthday! Yeah,
1: and you know, and you, you might relate to this, but my dad, my dad put it well. He's like, the older you get, the more your body dictates what you can and can't do. And I think, you know, I'm just looking ahead and I'm thinking, you know, I've got to really start taking care of myself inside and out. I'm like, I, you know, what is my second act of life going to look like? And what am I envisioning for myself? And it always helps me to have kind of a vision I'm working toward and the vision I'm working toward in the next 20, 30, 40 years, God willing, if I'm still here is just to have to be a healthy grandparent and, uh, you know, be a a help to my children when they're at the age that I am, because I know how overwhelming, It is to be a mom in this season of life and i'm like i want to always be an an asset and a blessing and to be able to support my children but to be able to do that i've got to be healthy myself and so um you know the the book before this as you know was love her well and that's about loving your teenage daughter and one thing i've learned about raising teenagers is that you know if we're not in a good place a strong place as parents then we're not going to going to be able to love our children well especially in the teenage years because it gets really tricky It's really hard, it's really stressful. Sometimes you're trying to love them well and they're not loving you well in return. And I just really learned just in my own parenting that I've got to rely on my faith. I've got to rely on my friendships, on my spouse, the people that build me up, who love me and fill my cup, Um, just really taking care of myself and allowing time for rest and renewal. Because when I do those things, I can turn around and be a stronger mom for my my children. I can be the more the mom I want to be for them, not be so triggered so easily and so impatient because I'm not going, I'm not operating from an empty, an empty cup. So um, I guess, you know, I don't know if you relate to that, but um, that that's just I where that. I am in, in parenting. And that's what I wanted to write about for other moms.
0: I love that. I love that. So and when you joined me before a couple of years ago, that was episode 116, I think, um, we talked a little bit about your background, how you got where you are, and also the fact that you're the mom of, four right. <laughs> four daughters, including a daughter who is now in college. So the topic of parenting and parenting girls in particular is something that is both near and dear to your heart and something that you know a lot about. So for folks listening, if you missed episode 116, be sure and go back. We're going to touch on elements of Carrie's story, but we're actually going to dive deeper into this latest uh, book this time. One of the things that I that really resonated with me in this book um, relates to the example that we set for our children, not, not just in doing the right thing. I mean, we all know how important that is as parents, but this goes a bit deeper. And it's really the example that we set in terms of how we handle things that are happening around us and COVID and the pandemic are great examples of that. Maybe uh, talk a little bit about this particular concept in the book and kind of how you think about that.
1: Yes. You know, I think I'm just so much more aware now that my daughters have three teenagers and then one preteen. She's 12. And I'm just hyper aware right now that my girls are always going to remember what they witness in my life right now. I feel like they're watching me on an even deeper level. Than when they were younger and you know one thing that really inspired this thought of what are we modeling for our children during COVID and just in this season of life is when my mom passed away two years ago you know you lose a parent and you are just flooded with memories and it really surprised me that the majority of my memories of her came from my teenage years my early 20s kind of those years when i was getting married and first having babies and i think it's because one your brain's in a different point of development so you remember more from that season of life than maybe when you were a child and then also i was spending more time with her still and so it just really hit me i was like my kids are going to remember this and and i want to encourage parents i think that when we become parents you think that you have to be this perfect role model and that is so not true i mean i've really learned especially the the further i get into parenting is that we can model a healthy response to things especially when we're going through adversity or facing a trial and I'm so aware that the things that I'm going through at this age or that my friends are going through, which is some major league stress as I call it in a lot of cases, that my girls might be going through this kind of stress or adversity in the future. And I want them to see what a healthy response looks like because you have a choice. And I think that so many people aren't equipped or they don't have the tools. And um, for me, it ultimately goes back to faith and relying on God to get us through those moments. But I just really want to encourage moms that even if you're a single mom or if you're going through you know cancer or a financial crisis or whatever you're going through you still can be an amazing role model for your child by the way that you handle your adversity and i actually think it's more important than ever for our kids to see that because they're living in this world where they think they have to be perfect the world is telling them to be perfect that they think that one mistake and their life is over and they need to see adults you know going through loss going through adversity grieving going through these hard things in life but then coming out on the other side stronger than before and i don't think i think we do them a real disservice when we make them believe that life is perfect and they're not going to face these curveballs because they will all face these curveballs and so i'm just i try to be hyper aware even as we're going through COVID and just really i let my kids see me lean on my faith and you know i talked about my anxiety i'm i'm anxious right now but what I was doing to work through that, which is you know remembering God's truths and just speaking truth to myself and taking time to to rest and to really uh, renew myself so that I can handle the challenges.
0: I love that. I, I I love this additional dimension as it relates to perfection. We already know that perfection is something that is a terrible thing to do to ourselves, but I think in the context of thinking about our relationships with our children and what they see and how they see us model that. I really, really love that dimension. Another element of the book that resonated so deeply with me is this concept of uh, of self-care versus um, selfish care, sort of how sometimes self-care can feel really selfish. And frankly, sometimes it is. <laughs> but, but talk about getting the balance right and why self-care is such an important component of being a good mom, a good partner, a good friend, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yes, I think that's a great question. And I had a, a, a counselor friend and she said she really liked that part too. And um I think we just live in a world of extremes. And so when it comes to self care, you know, especially it's such a buzzword these days. at self care. Right. A lot of people just roll their eyes, like, "Oh yeah, that's an excuse to go take vacations and take bubble baths and all that." And and I'm like, there is there is probably, you know, there are some people you could use self care as an ex, as an excuse for anything. Like, well, my kids are stressing me out, so I'm going to leave my family, <laughs> or I'm going to go, you know, spend more time with my friends and my family because this is self care. So you know, you can definitely take it to an unhealthy extreme or an unhealthy direction. Um, but then, yeah, you know, I think that we live in a world where either, you know, one extreme is self, self-care becomes self-worship. It's really all about me and it's all about how I feel. And maybe we're not, you know, being the parent we need to be. But then there's also that element of self-neglect where, mm-hmm. you know, we're being a martyr and we think our job is just to serve the people around us and our needs don't matter. And there's really got to be a healthy in-between. Um, and, you know, going in the direction of the self-neglect, I, I keep thinking of the story of a friend of mine who was editing a book for um, this guy who had an amazing come to Jesus moment. He had made some really terrible mistakes and he turned his life around and is doing amazing in ministry now. But he was talking about when he was growing up, his mom would always emphasize to him and his brothers, the need to respect women, to be respectful of women. But then when he noticed he was like, but when it came to her life, she didn't make men respect her. Mm -hmm. And he saw that disconnect. And I think that that's sometimes what can happen to us as women is like, you know, we're, we're valuing other people and other people's lives above our own and as we've talked about you really can't pour out of an empty cup we've really got to restore ourselves and and i don't know if i, I believed that when i was a young mom and even five years ago I, i'd say i'm not sure i would have written this message five years ago because really yeah like i mean i just remember when people talking about self-care as a mom like when i was a new mom a, a nap made everything better just having a, mm-hmm. a, a day to myself made everything better i was i was rejuvenated and i felt like that was all it took
0: well, then your, your children back then, your children were smaller and the problems were, were, uh, were proportionate to their size, right? Yes, yes. And as you
1: know, the older your kids get, you know, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems.
0: Precisely. And so it
1: just becomes more emotionally draining. It becomes more mentally draining. A lot of their problems are not quickly solved. And so you're like, okay, how can I try to have some semblance of peace and joy and hope even in the midst of a trial when I don't know how this will end up? or where this trial is going. And it's really hard. And I think as our kids get older, we realize how much inner strength we need as women. And um, and it amazes me. I mean, I think women do have so much inner strength and so much potential to become really strong. And so I think that component of our life becomes really important as our kids grow up. Because I just think about myself, like I, I not only wanna be strong for the things that I'll go through, I want to be strong for the things that I know my daughters are going to go through. And I want to, you know you can 't do that overnight. those are things that we have to gradually cultivate that inner strength um, so that we can be that loving support to them
0: and yeah the the emotional piece takes so much energy. it takes so much more energy than I think when we're first having children and we're young moms. It's hard to appreciate the energy that's required of the emotional demand. Even when your children are really like thriving and doing great, they're still normal kids and they're going to have challenges and disagreements and problems and all those sorts of things to navigate. And I find that the amount of mental and emotional energy that that takes is still sometimes kind of stunning to me.
1: Yes, I agree. And I think too that women are just intuitive and that is such a gift. But I think that Sometimes I'm like, my husband and I have these conversations like these, if I die jokes, you know, and I'm like, if I die, you you know, worry about this one. She might look good on the outside, but she bottles things up. Sometimes we just earn two, though. Sometimes we know something's not right with our child. If we sense these things that I don't think our husbands always do, and it's a gift, but it can also make us worry even more. And, um, And I think that we you know, when, we're, when our kids are struggling, we don't necessarily get over it as quickly as maybe a man would. And a, a story to illustrate that is a friend and I were talking and she's like, you know, my husband and I were both really worried about our teenage son and we had this conversation and we agreed that this needed attention and all of this. And she's like, two minutes later, he's whistling around the house and you know, he has moved <laughs> on from that conversation. Like, I was still worrying about the conversation. And I'm like, I totally relate. Like, that's how I am too. You're still thinking about it right i just think that as women you know it's, it's out of love we love our kids so much and we it's the mama bear we're just we want them to have a healthy life we want them to thrive and so we're constantly asking ourselves what can i do to help them you know how can i help them through this and it's it's such a gift and i think any child that has a mother like that is so lucky i wish every child had a mom like that but for us on the other end we really have to equip ourselves and just like i said build that inner strength so that we're able to be that mother to them
0: yeah you and i are both working moms um most of the women i would say who are listening are probably working moms or you know potentially working moms or they're in the midst of some kind of career pivot when you have all of those demands and a family, or maybe you're planning a family, you've got a lot on your plate that you're trying to balance. So let's talk a little bit about getting that balance right. It's hard enough to prioritize work and family life, but then when you also are trying to prioritize your Mm self-care and spending that time that you need to refuel emotionally and sometimes physically as well. Maybe talk about how, what your advice is for getting that balance right and how you talk about it in the book. Yes, that is a great question. You know, I think
1: that um, I'm really big into seasons. And one thing Mm I talk about in the book is just, I didn't know. And sometimes we don't know. We go into, we start working and we don't know what work's going to demand of us. And we have to kind of learn the hard way. But when my first book came out, you know, I just accepted every speaking invitation I got. I was traveling, but I'm an introvert by nature. And I know this about myself now. And so I can't do things back to back. Like I need time to recharge and decompress at home. At the same time, I was writing another book. I'd agreed to another book. And so I was just, I mean, I was running ragged. I was trying to be a mom to four little girls and do these speaking events and write a book. And I finally asked an author friend of mine, I was like, how do you do it all? And she goes, well, I break it up into seasons. And if I'm writing, If I'm in a writing season, I'm not, I'm not speaking. And if I'm in a speaking season, I'm not writing. And I was like, oh, like I never considered doing that, but that was really life-changing to me because I'm like, you know, that way I know that my book's coming out now, so I'm not planning on writing anything. I'm actually going to take a break from writing and just do podcasts and speaking events for a while. And then when I feel like it's time to write again, I'll probably back down on the speaking. So I think for moms and other jobs, like I have a friend who's an accountant, and so tax season is terrible for her. Right. But then she doesn't plan anything in those three months afterward. And so, you know, she also has to kind of equip herself during that season. Maybe her husband has to pick up the slack at home and she has friends help her out more. And so it's never a perfect balance, I don't think. But i think it just to not feel guilty about cutting back on things and looking at it as a season and like i said after this book book launch it's usually about six weeks i mean i'm taking the summer off and i'm giving myself that grace where i might not have done that five years ago but i think as moms just anything that we can kind of cut back on and especially if we know it's going to be a busy season or there might be times that I think that sometimes when everything's going well you can juggle it all but you throw in a glitch or a crisis and all of a sudden we feel so overwhelmed and so just giving ourselves the grace and also not being scared to ask for help Mm -hmm. not being scared to cancel some things if we need to I've had seasons where I had to do that had to cancel on some things because I was worried about a child or doing more doctor appointments for something we're looking into and I found that people most people are so understanding you know even you don't have to give them all the details of what's going on but if you just say, you know I need more time for my family or my child needs more attention for me right now, that most people are very understanding, especially if they are a mom or a parent themselves. And so just really just doing doing what's best for our family and knowing that you know we can't, it's never a perfect balance, but I think the more uh, we can kind of create some margin in our schedules, the it, it just allows room for things to go wrong if they need if they do or for our child to need us and us to be able to be available for them.
0: I love that. It's all about making that space but even more importantly being disciplined as it relates to that space and as you're talking about this you know one of the one of the things that i find particularly challenging and i suspect you do as well is that you if you're not careful even when you have said okay here's what we're going to do, here's the season that we're in, we're not going to do these other things, you can very easily get sucked in. Maybe your publisher says, oh, but it's just one, it's just one speaking engagement, or it's just one podcast, or maybe you should post a bit more on social media so that people know who you are and you get your name out there. And sort of the lure of that of continuing to build and build and build and build and know that it's going to help you sell more books that it's going to help your message reach more people that can be very intoxicating how do you resist the pull of getting pulled into a different season when you've decided okay here's the season that I'm in yeah
1: oh that is such a great point too and I don't know about you but I have found that when I'm having a really good day or I'm having a really productive week and I feel like I've got all this extra time that I'm like, I need to do something with it to be very oh, yeah <laughs> Because I'm like, sometimes those are the weeks somebody else makes a request that I'd said I wasn't going to take and I'm like, oh yeah, I can do this. And so I, I backtrack on my plans, but, um but that's a great question. You know, for me, I think that this is really where prayer comes into play. You know, for every, every yes that we give to somebody, we're saying no to something else. And so, you know, sometimes, and especially I think sometimes as moms, we just have a, a gut feeling like, I just feel like I'm supposed to make time for this. I don't know why, but I feel like it doesn't make sense. But I just feel like, feel like God's calling me to make time for this. But then we also have those moments where we feel like I don't know why. I just have a funny feeling like I feel like this is not something that's meant for me. It's meant for somebody else. And um, I really had a good lesson on this a few years ago that I had a friend. She was a local friend. She asked me to, to come and speak at her event she was doing for moms. It was not going to be a hard event. And, you know, I think she expected me to say yes. And I was like, you know, I just, I just got this feeling that I wasn't supposed to do it. And I felt bad because she was my friend. And, um, I was like, I'm so sorry, but I just don't think I can fit it into my schedule. She checked back with me a few weeks later, just kind of really pleased. It really won't be, it really won't be that big of a commitment. And I was like, no, I just, I, I really don't feel like I'm supposed to be doing this. And so anyway, it was a few weeks after that, that I had a dear friend that lost her husband in a plane accident. And it was terrible. And, you know, of course, that's the kind of thing. You just drop everything and you're there for your friend. And a few days later I was dropping off my kids at school and I'm pulling out of our, our school parking lot and I see a sign in a yard for my other friend's event. And I realized that her event was on that same Saturday as the funeral and it was the same time as a funeral. And it hit me, like if I had said yes to her event, I would have had to cancel on her because obviously I'm going to go to the funeral. And so it's just a reminder to me that maybe that's why God put that funny feeling in me, that maybe that's why I just felt like this is not something I'm supposed to take because only he knows the future, only he knows where I'm supposed to be that day. And so I think that really when we can take that time to get quiet and pray about something before we accept a request and just really think it through and Um, You know, sometimes we don't have perfect clarity, but a lot of times we do have some kind of instinct pulling us one way or the other. I think it's really important for us to do that as women and know that, you know, we've got limited time and energy and to make sure that we're investing it in the things that God wants us to do.
0: Yeah, I love that. I really love that. You talk about in the book, the importance of knowing yourself and understanding the kind of... Sort of person and worker that you are. Um, you are a big multitasker, or you are a, a self professed multitasker. I know that is something that will resonate with lots of the people listening. It certainly resonates with me. I get a lot of uh, fulfillment out of productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a blessing and a curse, as you, I know, would probably acknowledge because you talk about that in the book. Maybe talk about. Your uh, advice and suggestions for how to how to know yourself, how to understand these things about yourself, and why that matters so much. Yeah. why does it matter that you and I both get tremendous fulfillment from productivity, and how can that be a risk both for us as well as the listeners?
1: Yes, you know, I, I feel like for me, I'm, I'm exactly like you. Where I'm type A, I love to be productive. I love to look back at my day and feel like I just checked off all the marks. And um, I used to really pride myself on being a great multitasker. And if somebody complimented me on that, I thought it was a good thing. And then a few years ago, I was at the gym and I was talking to a friend whose brother's a psychologist, and we were talking about multitasking. And she goes, it's really interesting. If you go look at all the research, it actually shows that you're less efficient when you're multitasking, that you don't get as much done multitasking. And so after that, I kind of just paid attention to it. And, and I realized with myself that you know when your kids are little i think that you have to multitask i mean you've got right. three kids you're juggling and phone calls and commitments and you know trying to keep your children alive and okay where's the baby and where's you know it's like your mind is constantly going in different directions and so um i think sometimes we moms just stay in that mode but what i've realized as i've gotten older is like multitasking makes me forgetful I mean, sometimes I've signed a check and I'm like, what did I do with it? Or I threw it in the trash. Or, um, you know, it's just things that are, you know, you're putting the keys in the refrigerator and I'm like, it's because I'm doing too much at once. And so, right. for me, I've just had to allow myself the grace, like, just, okay, breathe and slow down and do one thing at a time. And so instead of checking every email or responding to every email as it comes through, I might say, you know what, I need to write. an hour i'm going to focus for an hour on this document and then i'll go check all my emails at one time and i will respond to them at one time that or even text messages i was like it does not just because somebody's texting me right now doesn't mean it needs an immediate response and that's hard for my personality because my instinct is to be johnny on the spot but it really has brought me more peace and it's kind of helped my stress levels come down a little bit just to give myself that grace And, um, you know, another example, I have a friend that she has four kids, too. And she's like, I used to put my laundry, put my laundry basket um, and put my laptop on top of my laundry basket as I put up laundry and listen to podcasts. And so, so she was like, but sometimes I would miss things in the podcast because she's distracted and doing two different things. So she's like, now I put up the laundry and then I sit down on the couch and watch the podcast and I get so much more out of it. And so it sounds like such a little thing, but I think that for moms, that can really be life-changing for us. That sometimes we feel like, I don't even know what I think, I can't remember anything. And it's because we're trying to juggle too much mentally. And sometimes if we just slow down and just allow ourselves to do one thing at a time that we really can be more effective and um, not be doing things like I was, like throwing checks away or <laughs> forgetting forgetting the things that we don't need to be forgetting.
0: Yeah, I, I actually I don't know if you if you think this is true, but I actually think it gets harder as we get older. I think our ability to multitask is maybe not as sharp. I think I was frankly better at multitasking when my kids were really small and biologically like I needed to be, just you know, to your point, because they're into everything and you've got a lot of moving parts. Now again, it's sort of a different way of using my brain and a different mental energy that's required. It really does. Require a much deeper degree of focus. Mm -hmm. I would love your tips for how you, while I recognize and I work hard to find that space and that peace as I'm sitting down to think about a podcast or preparing for a guest like this morning but sometimes that runaway wheel in my head is fair it's very hard for me to to calm that down so maybe talk about what you do as a fellow multitasker to kind of put the brakes on and channel that that uh, mental energy in the right direction? Yeah.
1: Oh, you're asking such great questions. Uh, It's So true. And I I always say, I was like,
0: I think I have undiagnosed ADD, like my brain,
1: Everywhere. And I know a lot of moms are like that, that I'm just jumping from one idea to another. Even when I speak, I typically do notes because I'm like, I will get off track. I will get on these tangents. And so I know that about myself. And I know that um, sometimes I think I can accomplish more in a day or a week than um, that might actually be physically healthy. And so for me, I think it really starts with looking at those big goals, those those primary goals, and maybe shrinking those down a little bit hmm. for me in this season of life. And so, I, again, I think it just takes knowing yourself. I mean, I, I look back on when I was writing my second book. That was six years ago. I mean, I remember looking at my um, my watch that was tracking my sleep. And there were some nights I was getting four hours of sleep. And it was just for me to be able to meet the deadlines and be a mom and be available and doing everything I needed to do. I was really sacrificing some things. And so after that, I'll, I just decided I was like, I can't do that. You know, I'm not in a seasonal life. Maybe when my kids are grown and they're out of the house, but I just, I'm not ever going to be an author that releases a new book every year. For me, it's too taxing. And so I just had to kind of make peace with that. And um, even between my second and third book, I mean, I didn't have a book. I forget. Let's see from 2016 to 2020. I mean, I really took a big break in there. And, but it's funny, I was like this, during this time, I really want to fill up. I really want to read more books. I really want to just be on the receiving end. And what I realized as I felt called to let writ, Rick write the third book was that all those books i thought I was reading for myself or for fun ended up being my research for the third book. Mm. So it really did all weave in together and play in together. And so, like I said, I know this is not the message most people get from the world because the world is telling us, go big or go home. And maybe there are certain seasons of life. I think we have the grace over us to be able to, to do those things. And, um, and, and that's great. But then there are also seasons where maybe if we feel our minds going everywhere that, you know, to really just kind of just get quiet again and just pray and say, okay, God, you know, what is it you want me to, to be doing right now? Um, I have um, I have a on my notes on my phone. I don't know if you do this, but I have like all my ideas on notes. Yeah. And so I mean, I have like I want to write a play. I want to write a children's book. I want to write about there's like a hundred article ideas. I mean, I, I have no shortage of ideas. It's just the time to do them. But to yeah. me, it's kind of given me a way that if I have a random idea about this children's book I want to write or this play I want to write, I'll go put it in my little notes section. And that way I know it's there. It won't be forgotten. And when I'm ready to do that project, it might be five years from now, but when I'm ready, it'll be there. But in the time being, I can keep focusing on what I'm, I'm doing right now.
0: How often do you go back and reread your notes to think about, you know, to sort of dream about, okay, when might you make time for that The children's book or the play or some of these other things you know not much lately just because when i signed for
1: love her well i signed for two books so as soon Uh as the first one came out we started talking about the next one and i was just focused on writing that but that is why i'm kind of excited about after this book launch that i'll have a little space there i was like i'm not committing to anything for a while and i want to just go and maybe do something creative and just allow space to me even try something new that i haven't done before
0: Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. So, we talked about uh, the last time you and I met, we talked about your career trajectory, and it's an interesting one um, because I have been doing a series of conversations with the Southern Cootery, which you may know, uh, based in Sea Island, Georgia. They're an amazing network of creative entrepreneurs and founders. I think you may be friends with Whitney yeah. Wise Long, potentially, I know she's a big, big fan of yours, and she is amazing, also from Alabama originally. But we've been talking about um, you know different elements of Uh, career and business pivots and growing and evolving in our careers. You started out in communications and public relations, as I recall, but before you launched your business, you actually got your MBA. And I'd love for you to talk about maybe the value that that had in creating a very different business for yourself, because while, you know, we talk about the writing and it comes from Divine inspiration, including from your children. But at the same time, like this is a business that you're running too. You have a blog, you have a book, it's paying the bills. Let's talk about the value of having that MBA and that. That business experience and expertise under your belt, as well as the writing experience?
1: Yes, another great question. And yeah, I think that it really just goes to show that nothing goes to waste. You know, anything, and I'm even telling my children this when they, whatever they major in in college or whatever job you get, like it all builds and you all learn, you get, you learn things from those every experience that will help you in the future. But I've always been very creative, Uh, definitely more right brain. My husband is opposite. He's more left brain. And so we make a good match. And um, long story short, after we got married, I was freelance writing in Huntsville, and his dad had offered to send him back to get his MBA. And so um, this is how the MBA came about. So anyway, so I'm just one of those get it done girls. And so Harry didn't really act on it. But I'm like, your dad is offering to send you back. You need to do this. So I called the, the director of the Alabama MBA program. He made an appointment to come up to Huntsville. And I think in my heart, I'd always kind of thought about getting an MBA. But I was like, I just don't know. I don't know if I ever could really do it. But I'd, I'd, I'd thought about it before, kind of a bucket list type item. But anyway, he came and the director was talking to us about the program. I was just asking lots of questions. And at the end, he was like, I think both of you should do this program. I'm like, what? I, mean, I'm like, I was a communications major. Like, I, I haven't even taken a finance class. I know nothing about business. And he's like, I think both of you should do it. We just had our first husband and wife team graduate last year. And Harry, after he left, was like, OK, I will do it if you'll do it with me. And I'm like, Harry, I can't do this. I mean, this is so not my wheelhouse. And he's like, I'll help you. So anyway, we did this you know, weekend program, year and a half. It was, it was a great experience, but it was so hard. I mean, I wanted to quit so many times early on. And I, I really was about to quit after this one class. I mean, I just left in tears. I was like, I can't understand this stuff. But the one thing I kept imagining was Harry graduating a year and a half later and me being so jealous sitting in the audience watching him graduate with all of our MBA friends. So I stuck with it. Oh, um, I, I, you know, I think it definitely helped me. But for me, it just helped me think more logically, it helped me um, just looking at things from a business aspect. And my husband, that comes very natural to him, but it did not come naturally to me. And so um, I did launch a business after that. I sold children's prints for a while. And I think just um, just the marketing, knowing the marketing and not being scared of that part and how I probably have seen it come into play the most in the business I have now is just understanding the business part of it. But really understanding the part that comes after the creativity that, you know, that writing a book is creative and it's fun. But so many writers hate the marketing part like they're like, oh, it just I hate that part. And I really love that part. To me, that part is easier than sometimes the actual process of writing. But um, but you got I mean, like, you know, I mean, everything is a business. And so it really has come into play, not that I go and crunch numbers now, but just knowing like what's worth my time and energy, um, just kind of knowing. I really I remember learning in a marketing class about grassroots effort. And I felt mm-hmm. like that really has come into play in my business, that it's a lot of just grassroots word of mouth that, you know, sometimes we don't have this great business plan, but it's just like the mom network or it's the Bible studies here. And so just kind of understanding. Those things I do think helps you just have that business mindedness can help you in any business that you're doing, even if you're not actually using those skills.
0: To that point, too. I mean, what what you said really resonates with me because this idea of a grassroots movement where when you understand how to market a product and you also understand the importance of connecting directly with your potential customer, or in your case, your potential reader, it's it's really sort of where that magic ultimately happens. Maybe what advice do you have for other Entrepreneurs um, who are maybe engaged in their entrepreneurial journey, or who are contemplating it, maybe fellow you know fellow moms who are thinking about something similar, maybe what advice do you have for getting started and and starting um, a, a a creative business like you've done?
1: Yes, you know I think that you know the one thing is to think what are you passionate about, but also what breaks your heart too. And, um, and I think this is a good question that they use this in writing, but I think it can apply to a business too. But an editor once told me that they tell writers to ask themselves, what's the pain? You know, what is the pain that people are feeling? So for me, it's like, what's the pain in a mother's heart when she's going to bed at night? You know, what's keeping her up at night or waking her up in the middle of the night? And whatever it is, like write to that or speak to that. And I think that we live in a world where. You know, you feel like you have to be flashy and shiny and just this amazing online influencer. And you can't get a lot of followers like that. But I personally like the people that feel more real and more down to earth, and that are really speaking to those real life issues that you might talk about over coffee with your friends. And so I feel like for me, those are the kind of moms that I attract. You know, the ones that are, you know, I had a marketing person and she's amazing that we were just having a conversation about six months ago. And she was like, you need to be doing reels, you know, these Instagram reels. And I'm like, I watch them and I tell my husband, I was like, this is just not me. I would feel like an idiot doing this. Like, (laughs) it's just not me. And so I'm not going to do that. But I know that it works for some people. And I know that's what a lot of moms like, but that's just not my personality. And that's not true to who I am. And so I think it's just really important to just think about who's your audience. You know, one thing I'm always asking myself is how can I help people? You know, what can I do to help other people? And I feel like the gift that I can provide is just simply that I've been doing it for 20 years. So a lot of the moms that are following me now are are behind me and they're just looking for advice and guidance um, and stories or just assurance that they will get through this hard season they're in. Um, But I also think I'm just so fortunate that I've had I had great parents. My husband had great parents. I meet so many awesome counselors. I meet awesome moms at all these speaking events I go to. Like I have just been poured into by a wealth of different resources and people who are just really wise parents wise people they've helped me grow so much in my faith and just my understanding and and just the work that i'm doing So i really see myself as just a conduit like how can i take all this the stuff that everybody's given me and just pass it on to others or you know even with the faith component i was like i spend my life you know looking at bible verses thinking about which one's going to go in my book and just a lot of people don't have that they don't know where to start and so, how can i take these gifts that I've been given that have helped me so much in my life or my faith journey or my parenting and share it with others. And I think when you really look at it at that point and don't worry about the followers or the likes and, and that's hard to get over. And, and I realized now I wrote three fiction novels before I ever got published. And I realized I needed that rejection because it, it just prepares you for rejection as a writer, that yeah. sometimes you write an article and you spend days or a week right working on it and it gets no traction or a podcast or whatever, and it doesn't get the response you hoped it would. And then sometimes you write something and it it resonates and you don't know why, but just, it hits moms in the heart and it does get that traction. But it's really, it's really tempting to want to just do only those things that you know are going to get a lot of likes or get a lot of traction. And I just, I don't think that's the way to go because there have been many things I've written or posted that I'm like, um, I know that this is not going to get a lot of likes or attention, but I just feel like, this is what God's calling me to do. And I'm just very, a big believer. If we just stay obedient to what he's calling us to do, then he's going to lead us to that, that plan that he has for us and that path that ultimately is going to be so rich and meaningful and fulfilling um, and bring it, will it'll bring the right people in. You know, I'd rather have a hundred of the right people than 10,000 of the wrong people following me, you know, and, and that's what's been so great about my faith journey is like, there are more moms out there that think like me and that that care about faith in their home like I do than I even thought. And that's what's so neat is when
0: you connect with those like-minded people and they just encourage you in what you're doing, too. I absolutely love that. It reminds me, um, to you also write about... The importance of creating a network of people that help support you as you're on this journey. Maybe talk a little bit about that piece of it because it's it's multidimensional. I mean, we talk about building and oftentimes growing and evolving our networks as we grow and evolve. And, you know, at times it can be, there's an element as you grow as a person. Sometimes you have to expand into um, areas where you need an expertise that doesn't currently exist with your network, or it may be a matter of educating your network who have only the best intentions for you, but you're being called to do something else, and it, you may have to kind of take them along with you on the journey. Maybe talk about navigating, the, maybe the importance of networking, creating your network, but also um, how you evolve it and how you continue to grow it? Oh, that's a great question too.
1: It's so true. Uh, You know, it's funny in the season that I'm in, I mean, I think we all have our, our best friends. You know, you have maybe your best friends from high school and your best friends from college and your best friends from your early days as a mom. And uh, your best friends from work, you know, just different places. We all have that that network. And it's really tempting to just, you know stick with our our best friends, those people that have always been our people, our tribe. And I think it's very important to to maintain those connections. But I have found that, you know, as I grow up and as my kids grow up, I've got to expand my network. and it has brought so much wealth and wisdom into my life. And so I, I think there's this idea that moms and women today, we think that, all of our, our whole tribe is going to come from one area of life, like, okay, I don't have a group of school mom friends, or I don't have a, a group of mom friends you know, in the same age range, which we definitely need that. But I think the best tribes are when you're, you're being fed into by like, different people. And it's really, I mean, I just really look for, who do I connect with? I mean, you know, there are just sometimes there's some people that you just have a two minute conversation with them and you just feel connected. I mean and this has happened to me when i was picking up a cake at a bakery i became friends with a girl who's the owner and we had lunch and i'm like i just like her and i like her way of looking at life she's got a lot of wisdom same thing happened with we had a, um a woman down the street that nannies for some girls and she my daughter has babysat over there so my daughters met them and when my daughter was going to auburn she brought over a cake and pizza and did like this party for my daughter with these little girls i mean just The sweetest soul ever and so we got to be friends and we've been you know encouraging each other and going to lunch and so it's it's so out of my normal network but i'm just like it just makes your life so much richer to do that and so i just like those are the people that inspire me now it's just the, the older i get the more i realize how important it has people to share your values and sometimes those people will look like you and sometimes they won't look like you sometimes they'll be your age sometimes they'll be 20 years older um, you know, my, my husband has a funny story that he used to host this men's Bible study on our porch, and um, it, the the guys are his age, it's their dads, and, and one day they were leaving and there was this older gentleman walking down the street, and he's like, what are y'all doing there? And and one of the guys told him, and then the, the guy told him, "I said, you should come one morning. So the next friday morning he showed up (laughs) with the bible study i was like harry who is that man on our porch (laughs) i'll tell you that story and so anyway but it is so funny now like you know he's been going for about a year he shows up every friday and i mean harry always has a story about him like he's the most interesting person and just the stories that he shares and the wisdom that he's given to this these guys but it's just such an example of like just being open to your network or like you said you know sometimes I found when my child is going through a trial or say you've got a health issue or something that's going on with your trial like being open to what god might do in that new chapter of your life that your friends can't help you you know when my daughter broke her finger you know she needed hand therapy and it's just it was this whole ordeal but we're still friends with that hand therapist we'd go see her twice a week and she and our friends on facebook and it just led to so many blessings and that i think that's just how life is it's just no matter where God has taking us or what's happening, even if it's somewhere, a place we don't want to be, even if it's a cancer treatment or something. And I just always ask ourselves, like, OK, I'm here. So maybe who am I supposed to meet? Who maybe am I supposed to influence? Who am I meant to encourage today that just really thinking wherever we are, that we can make those friends, we can expand our network. And like I said, it just makes life so much more interesting and, and
0: meaningful it absolutely does but it also requires that investment of time right it it doesn't i mean it, it can just happen but it can only happen as you just said when you're open to it and when you allow the space to to do that when you're not so so scheduled and multitasking to such a degree that you're not allowing the time for that i mean i really feel like i went through a big part of my life sort of pedal to the metal nose to the grindstone and not really allowing for that opportunity to really grow sort of much more organically, if you will. And so I feel like that those are, you know, again, maybe it's a matter of seasons. Maybe it's a matter of when you're in a different season that there's more of an opportunity, but it is also, as you write in the book, a form of self-care, which I thought was such an interesting way to think about that.
1: Yes. Oh, I think, I think it's one of the biggest forms of self-care, because again, I think when we are feeling, you know, more like ourselves or learning new things about ourselves or growing as people in a positive direction, it makes us a stronger person and a better role model for our children. And, um, I know, and I thought thought about this, and I think what we're working against is just, especially here in America, is just the pace that we consider normal. And this always stuck with me, and I shared in the book, but my husband's Greek Orthodox, and so we have the priest here in Birmingham at that church. He worked in Greece for 10 years, and we did a family trip to Greece five years ago. My kids have not stopped talking about it since. We're talking about going back this summer, God willing, but... We just, you know, it's just amazing to see a different lifestyle and a different way that people live. And I always became enamored. I heard about um, this island called Icaria over there, where they have an abnormal number of people that live to be past 100, and they don't have all the diseases and cancers. They just don't have a lot of the issues that we have. And so it's it's a blue zone of the world. And it's very interesting if you go study the blue zones, but they're the healthiest regions of the world. Uh People live to 100. They don't have a lot of the issues like we have here. But, um, but what his priest said kind of went to what I was reading about the Blue Zones and just the European lifestyle in a lot of a lot of places was he said, um, I was like, what's the diff- biggest difference between working in America versus working in Greece or just th- between the two countries? And he goes, it's very interesting, but I think it's the pace. And so he said, if I saw a friend in Greece that I hadn't seen in years, we would drop everything and go have coffee for three hours. Because if I saw an old friend here in America, We would exchange numbers and we would talk about going to coffee and that might or might not happen. Mm. And I just kept thinking about that after he left our house. I was like, you know, we can't drop everything because we're too packed. We have too much scheduled in every day. And we don't leave time for those little interactions or those conversations or the just drop everything to go have coffee. And it happened again the other night. I actually just did a, a podcast with a Greek Orthodox priest out in San Francisco. And when we were talking about the podcast, he's over this Ionian village, which is a summer camp in Greece for the youth all around the world. And he was like, gosh, I have just been so busy lately because I don't know how in Greece, I can go have coffee with a friend and not even be on a timeframe and still get everything done that day. And I can't do it here. And I was like, I think it's the pace and the expectation of what we try to accomplish every day. So I don't know. I think those little things have just really just t- turned my mindset to like maybe maybe I've had it wrong all these years. Maybe my productive nature, my type A personality, which actually matches the personality of, of America. I think it's you know, America is a type three Enneagram. And so when you have that personality <laughs> yourself, too, it can be a good thing and it can make you look like an achiever, or make you accomplish a lot. But maybe that's not always so good for our health or our well-being.
0: Yeah. Um, Carrie, one of the other things you talk about in the book that really resonated with me is this idea of we have to grow up and learn to mother ourselves. And I know you talk about this from a very personal standpoint. Maybe talk about what you mean by that and how how you write about that in the book.
1: Yes. You know, I
0: I mentioned earlier that I, I lost my mom two years ago. And
1: I'm kind of ahead of some of my friends because I was the fourth child in my family. So my mom had me when she was almost 40. So I think sometimes some of the things I've been through, some of my friends haven't been through yet, but it's coming, unfortunately. But what I realized is my mom was really sick in the last four years of her life. And so you know, when you're dealing with your own health crisis or issues, you don't have time to go mother. You can't mother people like you used to. And um, and I look back and I'm like, man, it used to drive me nuts. And my mom would nag me if I had a cold. You know, she'd tell me, go see a doctor or go do this. And then once she couldn't do it anymore, I was like, man, I, I miss that. And I realized that as, as we lose our parents and as we lose that generation that that raised us, that generation that looked out for our well-being, like we're looking out for our kids right now, you know, there's nobody telling us, go to the doctor. I mean, my husband does, but it's not the same as your mother. You know, there's just nobody... There's your dad is not saying, OK, you you have oil in your car, you know, you need to get an oil change. It's just those, those little things that can kind of drive you nuts when you're when you're growing up. But you look back and you're like, you really miss it once you don't have those people in your life. And so I realized the importance of mothering myself. And really, I'm like, if I don't do it, who's going to do it for me? And so if I cancel a doctor's appointment, nobody's holding me accountable for that. And I was mentioning to somebody the other day that the whole irony of me writing this book is that I'm still struggling with so many of these concepts. You know, if I have a doctor's appointment for my child, I would never cancel it. But I've had this wellness appointment where she's, she's helping me with my vitamins and my hormones and some things that are off. It's very important. And I know that, but I've canceled it twice because I'm like, oh, I don't have time right now. And I'm like, I'm totally a hypocrite based on what I'm writing, but I know I need to do this. But I'm like, I can cancel and there's no ramifications. Nobody's nagging me to go reschedule. And so it's really important for us to mother ourselves internally and externally too, because we're losing that generation.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that whole idea of self-management, you know, it's really that sort of bigger picture of learning to manage ourselves. And as we talk about on this podcast, we're focused on building and sustaining influence in our lives, like a big piece of Building influence is actually learning to manage yourself, learning emotional control, learning to be disciplined. I mean, all those sorts of things that we all we all know at a at a big picture level, but sometimes sort of breaking it down in a granular way, I think is so important. And that's a really, really powerful message that you just delivered. Okay. Last question, Carrie, because I know I need to let you go. You talked a bit about some of the ideas the amazing ideas that you've collected on your phone and your notes list can you give us a sense of what might be next after this book it's probably an unfair question since the book is just coming out this week but maybe what what you think's on the horizon well
1: I, i hate to say this because i don't know i think it will happen at some point but i don't know when But um, something that I've had in my heart that I'm like, this is something I could kind of work on for fun over the summer, just in bits and pieces, is a devotional for teenage girls we are targeted toward the older crowd, maybe going to college, Mm -hmm. just because when my daughter was going to college, I mean, as a mother, she's like, like, I can't just leave her with all this. Like, I just wanted to be able to hand her something. And so I had some great books to hand her, but I wanted to be able to hand her something just from my point of view. And the funny thing is my daughter who's at Auburn, she's even mentioned wanting to help me with this devotional. I love you know, I'm like, oh, that would be so fun to be able to do it together. So I don't know if yeah. it will actually happen, but that is that is something that I hope might happen in the next few years.
0: Well, I love that. And I hope I'll have you back even before that, but certainly at the point in which that book comes out. Maybe we'll have you and your daughter come back to see us. Carrie, I am really grateful to have you here. I'm grateful for your work and, and really enjoyed the conversation today.
1: Oh, thank you, Laura. I loved it, too. And I've been looking forward to this all week.
0: Me, too. Me, too. Friend, thanks so much for joining us for episode 188. To learn a bit more about Carrie Compacus, be sure to check out the show notes for this episode. And be sure to use the link I've provided to order Carrie's amazing new book, her fourth. It's entitled More Than a Mom, and I think you'll love it. Most of all, I'd love to know what you thought about this episode. Send me a message on Instagram. You can screenshot an image of the episode and tag me at Laura Cox Kaplan in your stories. And if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, you can leave me a review and let me know what resonated most with you. I'd really love to hear. Until next time, take care, friend. Have a great week, and I'll see you soon. She Said, She Said podcast is produced weekly by She Said, She Said Media.